never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. week's episode of the top five report the podcast that wonders what's the difference between a caper and a heist my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter here hey man (laughs) i don't know how to respond to that one (laughs) i don't expect you to it's all good Um, so uh we don't have a lot of news this week so we could end up running we we have tangent central if you want it um Um, I do want to clarify something, though. So uh, last week, um, right in the middle of the show, we were right on the list thing, and a news story broke, and I got a text message about Lego pulling their police layer sets, and I freaked out because, look, everything going on in this world, what happened is absolutely crazy, and what's continuing to happen is, like, I'm, I'm really glad people are rallying behind what they need to and standing up for what they believe in and, you know... It's it's a horrible thing to happen, and it's a horrible thing we have to discuss, and it shouldn't be happening the way it is. But I just my thoughts, my feelings were very Lego pulling police Lego sets have nothing to do with what is happening, but it is basically like a direct lineage to it, and it's or linkage, and it's kind of I think it's irritating because it doesn't have to do with what's happening in the world. Turns out they're not pulling the Lego sets; they're actually just pulling the advertisement for the Lego stats, but that still goes back to my original point. It, sh- it you shouldn't have to do that. So, um, no, I just want, true. I wanted I guess... to, I wanted to clarify that a little bit. The Lego sets are still being sold. They're just pulling the advertisements and I'm like, Oh, fine. But yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff just comes back to marketing. And, uh, if they know that right now advertising, um, police Lego sets, isn't going to look good. Like you can't really blame them for, yeah trying to do what's now, best for their business. No, I will say that when they made the announcement that the show Cops got canceled, that I was not surprised about. But we're talking about we're talking about a kid's toy that's, you know, made fun of in movies and, you know, like I mean they have a Lego movie and they have a Lego movie too and you know what I mean? Like it's just it's a toy. It's not meant to be looked in that aspect and that's I think that's why it bothered me. So I just wanted to clarify before everyone is like, wow, Drew went off. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah. Right. Anyway, um, let's get on to fun stuff because that's why we're here. Um, yes. So, dude, uh, what are we watching? What are we reading? Yeah, um, I haven't been watching a ton. Um, I actually, the last two weekends, I've actually gone camping with my family. So um, I haven't just haven't had as much time to delve into a lot of stuff to watch, but. Mostly, um, it's just been Riverdale <laughs> still. So right on. Up on season four. Um, I just finished the episode where they kind of blew the, blew the lid off of uh, Stonewall Prep, and uh, that was a really awesome and satisfying episode. And it had, like, that really cool... I mean, uh, Jughead mentions it by name in the episode, but the whole, like, locked room mystery sort of... Um, 
structure or whatever you want to call it where one of the you know the murder suspect is in the room and they're just going to stay in there until it's revealed who oh, yeah. was involved yeah. and uh that whole sequence was really cool and i liked uh i, I just really that episode was really good and i think like so far this season of Riverdale, I think writing wise has just been incredible. Like it's it's really interesting and uh, just how how everything like is intricately like kind of factoring together. Um, but uh, the next episode after that, which I just started and I had to stop early, but that next episode is the uh, musical episode, which. I know some people like the musical episodes. I've said in the past that I don't really like them, but I thought it was kind of funny because the the episode before the musical episode was this, it almost felt like a season ender episode. Like so many loose ends were tied. It was like so satisfying. And then you jump into the musical episode and it's almost this thing where if you wanted to jump off of season four, you could right there. And I think it's kind of crazy that they put the musical episode right there because I imagine those episodes are kind of divisive, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, Sure. But, I, I mean, I'm going to stick with the season. Like, I've already watched, I think, two other musical episodes in the last two seasons of Riverdale. I still don't like them, but... Well, one of <laughs> but the, music- one of the musical episodes... Yeah, one of the musical episodes I really liked. Um, the other one I did not. Um, so Was it the Carrie one that you liked? I think I liked the Carrie one because it... It drove the overall arc story. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to do a musical episode because we can. The school, right. the, the high school is going to do a musical. They're doing Carrie, and it was worked into the plot on a level where the next year's, the next musical episode they did was kind of like, we're doing a musical episode because we can. Yeah, um, and I think um, I remember the Carrie one a lot more than the other one. I think the other one had to do with like a party that they threw at... Uh, the what is Sisters of Quiet Mercy or whatever the, whatever the uh, like Catholic uh, private uh, nunnery for lack of a better term. Right. I'm kind of uh, blanking on what that's called, but a uh, convent, I guess. There you go. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Like I said, I'm enjoying this season of Riverdale, but yeah, I just I haven't finished it yet, and that's about all I've watched. How about you? Um, so again, like you, I have not watched a lot. And it's weird, yeah. like, we're supposed to be watching all kinds of stuff right now. Um, I feel like we're all going to find the end. I always felt like, <coughs> excuse me, I just swallowed wrong. <coughs> wow, I just swallowed wrong. Um, and I feel like in the world we live in with not new content coming, we're supposed to find the end of Netflix. Like, that's, that's the ultimate goal. We're supposed to get to the end of the, We're supposed to find the Netflix credits of Netflix because we've watched everything. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's possible either. Um, I wanted to watch Space Force, but I've not gotten there yet. Um, yeah. The uh, I have been watching lots of Star Wars. I finished um, I finished the sequel trilogy by itself, so I just watched it very isolated. Um, yeah, you have the history of Star Wars to build up to that and everything, so you know things. But watching just the sequel trilogy by itself, it plays really well. And where I think people get upset about some of the things uh, where the, everyone is divided on Last Jedi, knowing the end game, I, like, I liked The Last Jedi before just fine, but knowing the end game, I like it a lot better now. Knowing the nice. end game, I like 
Force Awakens better. Knowing the end game, I like Rise of Skywalker better because the other two, like, just divisively, the, the, the films light out by themselves, like, all three together. It's really good. And I was really, like, I'm just more happy with it. So, nice. That's awesome. um, I just thought that was really cool. So everyone who has a problem with certain things, maybe you should sit down and just watch the sequel trilogy by itself. Um, yeah. it's, I don't know. It's just, it sits with me differently now. So it's making me want to look at some other aspects of the series and see if there's any other things I missed that highlight certain aspects that I've just, it's that whole thing where I've seen the movies 500 times, but it makes me go, maybe I missed something. So, <laughs> right. um, anyway, that being said, uh, I also watched uh, the entire, the final last season of Fuller House. Um, <laughs> the uh, final season, and you know, you wonder if uh, Michelle's actually going to make an appearance because she's the only cast member that never wanted to come back. And uh, well, she doesn't, and they make a joke about it, uh, which is funny because <laughs> uh, they make a joke yeah. about it every season. But uh, yeah, they uh, they made a joke about how she's definitely not coming back and stuff. But it was a, I mean, that show is. The family is too perfect, and the show is too, like, lighthearted for you to really take seriously, so it's kind of mindless, but um, why not? It really wasn't that... It really was a pretty decent, like, ending to the show and whatnot, so it does make me wonder why you'd want to end it, though, because of, in a world with all the streaming networks and you have this show that's pulling numbers, why would you cancel it kind of thing? Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, um, I've never watched one episode of Fuller House. Um, I watched Full House a little bit back in the day, but like you said, it was always so um, wholesome that I never, like, I was never addicted to Full House like I was other sitcoms, and I know a lot of people who are huge fans of that show, but, um, yeah, I don't know, I think I, even as a kid, I was getting more into, like, Friends or maybe some of the more adult sitcoms, you know, Drew Carey show, stuff like that. Um, what were you going to say, though? Um... What was I gonna say? I feel like I totally derailed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, but not really. Um, no, I just, I just think it's interesting that they would cancel the show now when, like, you know, like, as Disney pulled all their content, you know what I mean? And Netflix is like, well, what do we got? You know, and so it just makes me wonder if there was, like, another reason why the show got canceled or if it was just a planned, hey, we're giving you five seasons or what. I don't know. But uh, it was a decent it was a decent ending. Oh, there was one there's one nice. character that really grew irritating as the show went, and I think and I don't know if the writers and when I say irritating, he was like an arrogant prick. Like every time the character was every, every time the character was on screen, I'm like, dude, stop talking. You're nice. not that cool. Like he's the only character I had a problem with. Um That's hilarious. I um I feel like I, I can't think of it now, but I feel like I've watched a movie or a show and there's just like a character that I just couldn't get behind like that because I'm like, this person's actually an asshole. Like, why does everybody like this main character, you know? But right. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. I'd... Anyway, uh, that's literally all I've watched. Um, so hopefully I get a chance to get Space Force in and that kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens. Um, nice. So that's all you got? That's all I got? Man, that's messed up. Yeah. Right. I um, I did see that, uh, I haven't like started a rewatch of it, but I saw that all the Friday the 13th movies are on Hulu, and I think I might delve into those pretty soon, because the thing about Friday the 13th is like some of the movies are pretty good, some of them are pretty bad, but most of them, you know, take place around Camp Crystal Lake, and they're awesome to just get you in a summer mood. Like, it's just, they're just a great series of movies if you want to, like, get in that sort of teens, 
you know, team teen camp camp counselors getting into hijinks and stuff. Like they definitely have that vibe, which I enjoy quite a bit. So I'm like, hoping to get a chance to watch those. Like like Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, you want to roll into some news? Yeah. Let's go for it. Cool. All right. Um. So real quick, got a Snyder cut moment here. Um. Snyder Cut News is going to come here and there as they release stuff. Um, I feel like we should have, like, a Snyder Cut bumper just for... <laughs> <laughs> we, should have, we should have had Ryan put... We should have had Ryan make up some sound effects real fast when we found out that news. That would be pretty good. I didn't think there would be enough turnaround it's time like, for him. Do you Snyder Cut? You will or something. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Anyway, no, it's just, it's just a confirmation that the red-orange sky uh, from, the end of the, from the end of the movie uh, that Joss Whedon put in is being removed and they're returning it back to the original color which was what Snyder intended it to be um, right. and there's a real quick clip it's a it's a side-by-side of what it's supposed to look like and it's like footage we've already seen but it's a side-by-side oh my god the Snyder s- version of it looks so clean right um big time like clean in the like in the best way possible um yeah. and i don't know yeah i man i i can't yeah wait. i just yeah go ahead i i understand like i think i understand why jess whedon did that because a big complaint about the dc movies before justice league was that they were too dark and i think they just like in a lot of scenes they just decided like let's brighten up the colored palette let's you know, make some of these scenes that were taking place at night, let's make them during the day because it'll have more of a positive, maybe lighthearted, uh, you know, effect. But the thing is, like, Zack Snyder, um, if you watch his movies, he pays so much attention to lighting and so much attention to, um, like, there might be a lot of dark scenes, but the way he lights them and the way his colors work, you can tell he does these things on purpose. So it might be a dark scene, but there might be, like, you know, that uh, that piece of kryptonite or, you know, something like that that's actually, like, glowing bright green, and that's where your eyes are supposed to be attracted to. And I think um, when you take a director who works with lighting the way Snyder does and you completely, like, wash out certain scenes or change the color gradation or however you want to phrase it, like, it just completely, I think, maybe ruins the effect on a lot of parts of it and kind of just completely changes what he was originally going for, you know? yeah. Yeah, it does, and I. It's weird because like, we're you know, Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder are two completely different directors, and you can kind of tell if you know their directing styles. You can watch Justice League, and you can see the difference in direction when you know that it's Zack Snyder's work compared to Joss Whedon's. And I feel yeah. like after the couple times I've watched Justice League later, um, and I haven't watched it recently since the news, but um since the news of the Snyder Cut coming, but it is very physically different looking than Batman vs. Superman and Man of Steel. But, yes. but Wonder Woman is very directly looks like um, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, and that's a whole other director, but the visual language is still there. And, yeah, um, absolutely. And that's, and that's a big thing. That's, I feel like that's a huge departure. Now, Aquaman is a completely different machine altogether, um, but but even um, Shazam still had like a little bit of the Zack Snyder uh, visual language. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I'd agree. I feel like um, 
in Aquaman, I do think a lot of the costume design work does harken back to um, the Snyder DC movies, just because you can tell Zack Snyder was really going for like a larger-than-life effect with a lot of his uh, choices, and I feel like the Aquaman, like especially the costume designs, like how um, I don't I don't know what's the right word, but like a lot of the costumes do have that larger-than-life feel. Um, but like you said, Aquaman is it's like an underwater, like world-building fantasy epic movie, which is a completely different beast than the other DCE movie, DCEU movies. But I still think it kind of fits in. So yeah, um, I hear you there. So yeah, it's we'll see how it plays out. I'm just I'm just really excited, and the more they tell us about it, the more excited I get. Um, I kind of don't want to know anymore because technically, we in a way we kind of know what the story is, but. Um, I just, I know that it's probably going to end on a cliffhanger and we're going to be stuck. So, um, um, or, or Warner Brothers and them are going to look at it and go, God damn, that was good. We're going to have to like relaunch this whole universe a third time. So, (laughs) and it it might, it might depend on how well it performs, you know, but right. But then again, we'll see what happens, but if they break it up into segments and release it on HBO max, what happens when they go, Hey, we're going to do this. Um, we really like the direction we're going. We want Zach to finish his vision out, but we're going to do it on like a multi-part deal and not do theaters at all. Do you know what I mean? Like that could be really cool too. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, if you put the money backing behind, you put the backing behind it no different than like, uh, cause we heard that the Lord of the Rings show for Amazon is supposed to be like a billion dollars just for the first season. <laughs> right. Okay, if you put that kind of backing, what could they do with a superhero show of that caliber? Or if you do that kind of backing and, um, you know, like, think of, like, Game of Thrones or, like, something like that. Like, put the backing towards it. Look at the boys on um, Amazon. Like, that. that's a superhero show that's fantastic. They clearly have the money they're backing it with. This is how it's performing. This is how it's coming out. What if we did that with the DC characters? Like, do a Justice League television show. Like, take the Justice League animated series, do it live action, and do it like that. Holy cow, yeah. man, that'd be amazing. Yeah, so. and, like, uh, hopefully it does well, and, like... Titans is a perfect example. What's that? Titans is a perfect example. Right. Um, but then, like, hopefully it does well, and we even see more shows with just, like, this massive, ridiculous budget, because that would be awesome, <laughs> you know? Maybe uh, Universal will stop trying to do their, like, classic Monsters movie universe, and maybe it'll become a TV universe, and, like, who wouldn't love that, you know what I mean? <laughs> So we'll see yeah. how things go. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's hit some more news. Um, so I got a rumor for you. Okay. Uh, rumor. This comes from Multiverse DC, which is a Instagram feed that I follow, um, and they have uh, apparently an insider um, in the Batman area with the Robert Pattinson film or the Matt Reeves okay. film. So, rumor has it, a new Joker will be introduced in Matt Reeves' The Batman Trilogy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I was thinking about, I, when I read the first line, I'm like, ugh. But then I read on, and it made me remember something. So, I'll cover it, okay? I, I feel like I know where it's going to go, but keep going. According to our contributing insider, Daniel Rickman, unfortunately, his na- he's named there, so um, he we all know who made the leak. Reeves is planning on introducing a new Joker into his Batman Trilogy. Reeves is planning for the new Joker to appear in the second and third movies as one of the film's multiple villains. This new Joker will be referenced in the 20... It will be referenced in the 2021 Batman film. Uh, Casting for the role has yet to begin. So, 
One, do we need another Joker? No. But if they're really doing the Long Halloween, which is the which is the Batman story arc that we keep being told that that's what they're doing, they're going to need to cast a Joker. And if they're going with a younger Batman, there's nothing wrong with going with a younger Joker. That makes um, sense. So, and if they're doing the Long Halloween and they're breaking it up into a trilogy, that's even cooler, which means it'll be one giant story arc from beginning of the trilogy to the end, and it'll be designed and written and made as a trilogy. Like, think about how Lord of the Rings was designed to be a trilogy. Think of Back to the Future was designed to be a trilogy. Uh -huh. um, so if you go into a superhero project like that, that's cool. I think, like, you can say that Marvel planned everything out. I'm not 100% convinced that they planned out everything where they thought to themselves, we're definitely doing three Guardians of the Galaxy movies or we're definitely doing three Thor movies. I have a feeling that some of it dictated the, this would work really well, we're going to do another movie because we can move the story this direction with these characters and it kind of played out the way they wanted it to if they did certain things. I think that's, I, I would put more money on that is how they bent it then the, we planned everything out 100% to the T. <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually, like, I could be wrong, but I feel like I didn't hear um, them talk about how, like, they planned everything out until after Phase 1. Like, I feel like it was after that first Avengers film. Everybody well, was kind of, huh? Yo, go ahead. Go ahead with oh, your... Yeah, everybody was talking about, like, oh, yeah, and, and now Thanos is going to be the big bad guy, and they've got it planned till you know 2020 or you know whatever people were saying back then and like it was really exciting but i remember before the first avengers movie came out the plan was just that all these characters were going to team up as the avengers and i think that was like their big plan and then i i i mean i could be wrong but my feeling is like joss whedon brought thanos in as like a plot point to the first avengers movie and then they're like well, actually, this could make a great, like, overarching plot for the next phase of movies, and, like, they just went from there. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Maybe you know something that could contradict I, I, there. I don't know. I know a little bit more. Um, so, and you can, you'd have to go back. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, The Nerdist uh, by Chris, uh, that Chris Hardwick did. Uh, Chris Hardwick no yeah. longer, does, he no longer does the podcast. He has now moved to ID10T. But... He has two interviews with Kevin Feige that he did. He did an interview with Kevin Feige post-Phase 1, and then he did another interview with Kevin Feige years later, somewhere between Phase 2 and Phase 3. And in the Phase 1 interview, the very first interview he did, he directly asked him if it was all planned out. And Kevin Feige stated, you'd have to go look up the episodes, but he stated it because I remember this very specifically because it drove me nuts when we got to the second interview. Um, he stated that, up to Avengers 1 was a happy accident. They put a bonus scene at the end of Iron Man 1 to make the fans go, ooh, that sounds amazing. And, oh my gosh, they referenced the Avengers. It was literally a thing for the super fans. And then when they did the Hulk, they were like, yeah, we did it in Iron Man 1, let's do it again. And they just made a reference. It really was just a reference to get the fans excited. They, he said they didn't start planning Avengers until they were in the middle of Thor. Um, okay that they were like, we should see if we could actually do this. And that's when they planned out Avengers 1. They Again, so when they got to Avengers 1 and put Thanos at the end, 
It was the exact same thing. We're going to do it to make the fans excited. And then they once they got the fan reaction, that's when they started building the universe. When Chris Hardwick had him on for his second interview and brought up the planning ahead, Kevin Feige retracted everything he said and said, we planned <laughs> out the whole thing from the beginning. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, because that original explanation goes along pretty well with what I was saying. Right. Um, except, and, actually, I was giving them a little bit more credit for phase one, like saying that they actually had a plan going in. But uh, that's it, hilarious. Well, and it, it drives me nuts because um, I've, I've heard many interviews and read many articles where Kevin Feige has retreaded a lot of his statements he's made. And it... it that kind of irritates me. Like, dude, there's nothing wrong with saying that you guys, it was a happy accident and we realized what we had on our hands and we wanted to move it forward and give the audience this really great story. And when we realized we can achieve it, we went for the, we shot for the fences. That's what I would rather hear than we planned the whole thing out from the beginning and we got a studio to give us all these millions of dollars to do it with blind faith that it's going to take 23 films. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know? because, and that's the thing is like, um, the story of it being a happy accident, that's actually a, better behind-the-scenes story than just right. had everything planned out. And, like, I mean, I know there's, like, different <clears throat> franchises that I love that I've heard similar stories, like, it wasn't going right at first, and then things kind of fell into place. I mean, like, even a big part of the original Star Wars trilogy has to do with that, as far as, like, how they, I imagine uh, they couldn't do everything uh, George Lucas wanted, so they kept, like, a lot of the costumes and a lot of the vehicles were made out of, like, second-hand, like, military surplus supplies and, like, all these different things, but it actually made for a lived-in uh, feel to the environments that right. the characters were in. Um, and that, that right there, that's a happy accident, but it ended up being something amazing that everybody loved and felt they related to. So, I mean, it's weird that, like, I don't know, Marvel or Kevin Feige would feel like they have to say everything was planned out, you know? Yeah. Um, that's pretty much, I don't necessarily have anywhere bigger that's going with that but it's just kind of a weird little uh that's a weird way to like you know be forced to forcing yourself to say that i guess yeah um i agree i don't know i just yeah look we're getting a, we're getting the snyder cut and that's the ultimate goal here we got it um, that's, right. that's the ultimate excitement um the, like I said, I would rather just, they could just be honest with Marvel and be like, hey, this was a happy accident. This, you know, we didn't plan on it. And then everything kind of worked in a way that we were like, I wonder if we could do it. And then we did it and it was awesome. And then we realized how successful it could be if we kept going and we just kept writing and treated it like a comic book. And that's ultimately what they did. But, you know, just be honest. That's what I say. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, more DC news. Um, so... Do you watch The Flash on the CW? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't for a long time. All right. Like, I'm very behind on The Flash. So, on The Flash, there's a... So, if you watch the Arrowverse, there's many characters spread out amongst the Arrowverse of the shows. And one of the characters on The Flash, they finally got to introducing the Elongated Man. Oh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, not anymore. Um, the Elongated Man actor, Hartley Sawyer, has been fired. Okay. Um... Following a series of racist tweets. Um, so, I, when you said he was fired, I was worried it was going down this road. Yeah, and I'm only bringing it up because I was like, whoa, okay. Because um, when I saw well, the... Yeah, it's, it's relevant to our pop culture. Right, and when, I saw, stuff, the, when so. I saw the story, I was like, okay, here we go. Um, yeah. The... Uh, 
I, I'm not going to read any of his tweets, but I did see some of them, and wow, someone should have told that guy to stop a while ago. Um, that's all I got to say to that, so. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, uh... So it sucks. I'm more interested, at this point, I'm just interested to see how they handle it on the show. Um... They either, I mean, is it something they could just recast in, maybe, or something like that? Well, I, I don't know, because there's rumors yeah. now that, because uh, we talked about uh, Ruby Rose leaving Batwoman, <laughs> and um, there are rumors that they're not going to, they want to recast, but there's also rumors that instead of recasting, they're going to kill the character, and then there'll be another Batwoman. Um, so, How do you feel about that? I'm not sure. Um, okay. I'm not 100% opposed to it, but I wonder if it's better to kill off the character so we can not worry about why it's a different actress so much as, like, it'd be one thing if it was, like, one of the side actors got a different job and they replaced him, and then it's not someone, yeah. it's not, you know, and you're just like, oh, well, they replaced the character, not that big of a deal. Um, Stargate, um, I'm a big Stargate fan, and I remember season eight... Yeah, it was either uh, no, it was season seven of Stargate uh, SG One. They uh, had a, they introduced a character, uh, Doctor Elizabeth Weir, and she was played by this blonde actress. She was really good. I liked her character a lot. And then she is the character that heads up the Atlantis expedition um, on the series. So when they started the Stargate Atlantis, so when you start Stargate Atlantis, she's played by a different actress, uh, dark hair, completely different woman. Not like we dyed her hair, just a completely different woman. And I did not, and I didn't like her character at first. Uh, I kind of had to, it took a few episodes to warm up to it, but I was like, okay. You know, like, it was just, it was kind of just odd right away. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, it's, so, it always sucks when that happens. I think, um, sometimes it's funny because I, like, tend to, like, not even realize it's supposed to be the same character. Um, I know there was a big one in Game of Thrones. I can't remember the character's name. Uh, Dario Naharis. Yes, yes, Dario, yes. I remember they recasted him, and it took me, like, a number of episodes to even realize that it was supposed to be the same guy. Because <laughs> it yeah. just was, like, he didn't look the same way. He had a different haircut. Like, he didn't He didn't look the same. Music. He didn't talk the same. And, like, the actor they chose for the first Dario Naharis was perfect per the description of the book. So I don't know why. That's what I would imagine. I don't know why the recast. It's fine, whatever. Um, There's a million of reasons they could recast somebody, you know. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's 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 always funny when they do that. But like with especially with that Dario example, like I kind of wish the guy, the actor, would at least like shave his beard, like you know, at least try to look like the original guy, so it's less confusing to the audience, <laughs> you right. know. But. Well, I mean, a beard could show passages of time, and you're going from a season to a season. So I don't necessarily mind a beard so much as I, like, you don't look anything like the other guy. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, two more news stories, and then we can get on to our list. Um, Matrix 4. Remember okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Keanu Reeves has a quote about Matrix 4. <laughs> Anytime I hear about Matrix 4, I, like, kind of internally roll my eyes at this um, point a little bit. I do the same, and that's the reason I pulled this quote. Um, okay. That's the only reason I pulled this quote, because I was like, really? We got Matrix 4 news? Like, we're really scraping the barrel in this COVID world we live in. <laughs> um, uh, so, Keanu Reeves' quote uh, says, uh, Lana Wachowski uh, wrote a beautiful script and a wonderful story that resonated with me. That's the only reason to do it. 
To work with her again is just amazing. It's been really special. And the story has, I think, some meaningful things to say and that we can take some nourishment from. So Keanu Reeves sounds uh, vague and optimistic. (laughs) 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 So um, I just, that ending to Matrix 3 really, really threw me, man. So, yeah. Well, it's also just like, Everybody, when they hear, like, they're going to revisit The Matrix, like, everybody's question is why, you know? Um, But, I mean, maybe, you never know, like, technology's progressed, and maybe they have new things to say, and it actually will be, like, a really worthwhile film. We can't really tell at this point, but most people I talk to have kind of, like, aren't as excited as you'd think people would be about Matrix 4. I guess I can leave it at that. Yeah, I know, and I don't... We'll see how it goes, but see, we're also going to live in a world where people are going to be trying to get out of the house. They're going to want to see movies. They're going to want to go to the... Like, box offices might be different. Box offices are going to be really different anyway if AMC closes down. Do you know what I mean? Like, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, one more news story, and this is a fun one, so feel free to go on a tangent if you want, because this is a... uh, This is kind of cool. This is the 25th anniversary of Batman Forever. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. This year, I guess? This year. Um, I just thought that was really kind of interesting. So 25 years ago, Batman Forever released. I remember exactly what theater I went to. I remember exactly which people I like, the friends I went with to see it. I remember being super excited to go. I remember being super excited walking out of the theater. Um, I don't feel the film is aged as well, but um, okay. I just... Yeah, this was. I actually really like Batman Forever a lot. Um, This is the movie that my crush began for Nicole Kidman began and ended with this movie. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, no, like this. This was cool. It had a cool Batmobile. It had. um, I mean, yeah, it was the first one to put nipples on a bat suit. But um, um, the villain, aside from uh, Two Face, uh, Jim Carrey's Riddler was great. You know, like so. Any thoughts on the movie since it's 25 years old? No, I, I actually like uh, Batman Forever a lot, too. Um, especially, like you mentioned, the Batmobile. Like, I feel like Batman Forever, like, you look at the Batmobile, and it's kind of like a really cartoony car in a way, but it still is done in a way that you could take it seriously um, compared to, like, the Batman and Robin Batmobile. And I think Batman Forever, I think, like, it is the middle point between the Burton Batman movies and Batman and Robin, but I feel like it strides that line a little bit better. And it kind of, some of it is kind of more cartoony and ridiculous, but it's still like done in a way where you can, for the most part, take it seriously. At least that's how I was left when I first saw the movie going back and revisiting it. There's certain parts that, uh, I think, as you said, like, I don't think age as well. And certain parts I'm like, well, this is actually really corny, but overall, I enjoy the movie a lot, um, and I think, like, there's, a lot of that just has to do with aesthetics, like, I kind of like that, uh, I mean, the, the Tim Burton movies are cartoony as well, but I think, um, the Tim the Burton movies, movies are a little more, the Tim Burton know, movies are, or something. the Tim Burton movies are a different kind of cartoony. Yeah. I mean, a very different kind of cartoony, so, I don't know if cartoony is the right word, it's more of a... I think I think there's some very cartoony moments in the Burton movies. There are, but I feel like but <laughs> you have, like you have the penguin riding around on a giant rubber ducky and stuff like that, you know. That yeah, happens. but I feel like the uh, the issue with um, the cartooniness of the Burton films is on a comic book level of cartoony, 
where the cartooniness of the Schumacher films is on an Adam West Batman sixty six level of cartooning. Right. I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's just kind of uh, as I was talking about it, I realized I can't say the Schumacher movies are cartoony without acknowledging that Burton actually had some really cartoony, ridiculous, bold like costume and vehicle choices and stuff like that in his movies as well. Right. Um, but no, no, I absolutely agree with what you said. Like uh, the Schumacher movies, especially by the time you get to Batman and Robin, it's like clear as day that, that like these movies are just like a modern version of the '66 Batman. <laughs> and I've actually like come to appreciate them more as time has gone on, just because I because of that. that. Absolutely, because I watch uh, Batman and Robin, and I feel like it's so tongue-in-cheek now, where back in the day I thought it was like meant to be taken seriously, and I really don't think that's the case um, with a lot of aspects of the movie. Yeah. Like the like the, the bat skates that they have, and just so many <laughs> ridiculous parts right. of that movie. <laughs> Right, but um, no, that's cool. That is the 25th anniversary of Batman Forever. Are they doing anything special for it? Uh, I don't. I have no idea. I just saw that it was. I mean, it's only. It's not like it's a 30 year anniversary or like a decade year. It's just 25. So it's. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's about it. All right, man. <laughs> nice. um, that ends the news. Um, so do you want to talk uh, the list tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. Because this could be a fun list. So, um, all right, man. Uh, so it's the list. So Ryan, uh, you know what to do, man. Play the thing. And now for the top five. All right, and we're good to go. So Peter, um, yes. did you find this list hard to do? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. You found this one pretty easy. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, out of all of Golden Raspberry Award winners um, for Worst Picture of the Year. I have seen 11 of those movies. <laughs> so it was a very oh. small list to narrow down. <laughs> so I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you what your count was because um, sometimes I give counts for what I've done, what I have seen and all that stuff. Yes. So um, this is how I kind of landed. So if, if you weren't listening last week, uh, the list this, tonight is the worst of the worst but our favorites of those movies. So you have the Oscars, which are the best of the best, and they, you know, we whether you agree with them or not is irrelevant. Those are the Oscars. Um, but the Razzies are the opposite, the Raspberry Awards. They're the opposite of the Oscars, so it's the worst movies of the year, and it's everyone's like these, and they eventually say this is the worst movie of the year. Um, the way the lists are, it's, the Razzies have not been going on as long as the Oscars. We're talking like 90-some years of the Oscars where the Razzies have only been going on since the eighties. So it's a short, it's a much shorter list. So yes. I have seen 24 of the Razzies. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen 24 of the ones marked as the worst movies of the year. And I own five of them. <laughs> well, that's, um, um, and that's the, and that's what that's the thing I wanted to make account. I should have done it with the Oscars with with our Oscars list is how many of them do I own? But I thought it'd be funny because I was counting up like, that's a Razzie bullshit. I like that movie, you know. What I mean? um, but then I was like, how many of these do I actually own? So I kind of counted it up and I thought it was really funny. So. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely some ones in there that you don't that aren't actually like 
they're not unwatchable. Like there's a lot of ones that I that I actually enjoy as well, and especially if you get into the runners up, like the movies that were also nominated to be worst of the year. There's a lot there's that a I lot. really enjoy in there. I know. Um, like Friday the Friday the Thirteenth is on is one nominee. So when you brought that up earlier, I was like, ha, ah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did notice that. And like, I mean, of course, Batman v Superman was nominated. Um, there's a couple other that, other ones that I actually really enjoy that were nominees. But um, when it came to the actual like the actual winners, there's so many of them that I was aware of, but I just like a lot of them I chose to skip because I never thought they looked good or they never appealed to me so um i'm a little bit surprised that you've seen you said 20 of them 24 24 yeah i'm surprised you've seen that much but i mean maybe not like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like, like i've never seen the love guru for example that was like that, that was, was one that i that's one that i've seen <laughs> yeah yeah and, that, and that's like i think a lot of people have seen it but that's one that i like i remember seeing ads for it and i'm like i don't think this looks funny it doesn't really appeal to me i'm just gonna skip this one sort of right. thing so i got you well, all right, man. So this kind of falls under my pick. Uh, so you get to go first. Um, I only have one honorable mention, so I don't know if um, what you. I have. have n- <laughs> I have no honorable mentions. Perfect. So I I'll go. So I will go first, one. though. I wanted to have one, but I realized I really don't like the movie that almost made it, so I just didn't do it. Uh, I I will go. Yeah, I'll go first then. Um, so my honorable mention is a movie called The Color of Night. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. It is a no. it's a late '90s uh, sex thriller with uh, Bruce Willis. Um, Bruce Willis plays okay. he plays a therapist that just moves to like some place in California, and he gets, starts getting stalked um, by you. Not sure if it's one of his patients or not. Um, and uh, he meets this girl, and he moves in, and uh, there's a mystery around her. And here's the thing: the movie's not the greatest. But the mystery is really cool. Um, and I ended up... I actually really enjoyed the movie. It's not like... And I only, it only makes an honorable mention. It doesn't make the list. But I enjoyed the movie. I've seen it a couple times. Um, but it's it's not bad. Um, so that's really... Yeah, it, it sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, least, it's uh, Bruce Willis was like at the peak of his career. And they were just basically handing him movies. And it was it's not like a diehard. It's basically like Bruce Willis is just a leading man, and they have this cool movie, like with a kind of a cool mystery plot story, and he's like, "Yeah, why not?" So nice. So what? What color did it end up being? Did uh, you find out? Yeah, uh, very bloody. How's that by the end of the movie? Okay. Um, nice. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Very bloody ending of the bloody to the end of the movie. So um, I'm gonna throw that back to you. So what's your first actual pick for the evening? Yes, my first actual pick. Um, and this is, you guys will be able to see how bad this list was and what it did to me because my first pick I wanted to mention is the 2015 Fantastic Four. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> let's, so this, let's, let me, before you go on a Fantastic Four, I'm going to pre- preface this one more time. These are our favorites of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or the worst movies decided by the Raspberry Awards. So, so, anyway, go ahead. This is a movie that is almost universally hated. A lot of people say is objectively bad. It was 2015? 2016? Yes, yes. I do not disagree with those statements. But I think there is... Within this movie, there is some redeeming parts. Um, first I'm gonna, of all, you have... 
I'm going to agree with you on some of these points, so go ahead, um, yeah. because I have some things to say about this movie, too. So, so first of all, you have, um, I, believe, I believe the director's name is Joshua Trank, and he's the guy who did uh, the movie Chronicle. Chronicle is, yeah. like, one of my favorite movies, and, like, the idea of the guy who directed Chronicle going to do Fantastic Four sounds amazing. Like, this is going to be cool, this is going to be edgy, this is going to be a completely different take. Um, and... So going into it, I was excited, and then as this movie was starting to get made, you kept hearing like rumblings of behind-the-scenes stuff and stuff that just didn't seem to sound right. You saw, you kept hearing about uh, Joshua Trank was arguing with the studio about a lot of stuff. The studio wasn't funding the movie a lot or enough. Um, and then one of the most worrisome th- uh, pieces of news regarding this movie, while it was during, uh, you know, while it was being produced, was. None of the actors in the movie read a single comic book to prepare for the film. <laughs> none of, the, none of, they were they weren't going. Not only the source material at all. What not only say? that, not only that, but I read a report that Josh Trank told them not to read a single yes. comic book to prepare for the roles. And, and that's and that's the thing. And I, I've read quotes where he said like, "Okay, well, the reason we're not going by uh, the comic books is we actually want to have a new take, and we want the." Actors not to use like preconceived notions from comical characters to, you know, that we want them to bring their own takes to the movie. And like reading those, so I, I read those, that quote and I didn't agree with it because I still want them to take the source material seriously, but I could kind of see where he was going. And because I liked Chronicles so much, I still like gave the guy the benefit of the doubt. But I think what happens, and it's really clear when you see this movie. This is a studio and a director working against each other. And this is two forces butting heads and not working together well at all. And um, the other really good example of this is Spider-Man 3, where you can tell that Sam Raimi and the studio did not see eye to eye on how they wanted that movie to be made. But I think Fantastic Four, it's even more glaring and more apparent. And it's this movie where... The first act is actually really good, like seeing the characters uh, get their powers and discover their powers, and there's like like these really cool body horror segments of the movie, and it kind of has like this more ominous tone than you'd expect to have a, a Fantastic Four movie to have, but it actually was a really cool first act, and as the movie goes, you can just see it kind of slowly disintegrate, and uh, by the time you get to the end of the movie, you just can't take the thing seriously at all. And it's a very, it's a very unique experience to watch this movie because you're watching something that didn't start out bad, and you just kind of like watch the movie fall apart around you as you, as 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 the film unfolds. And I feel like I'm being really negative on this movie, but the thing is, I love superhero films. I love. I think every superhero film, there's something I love about it. I love how many different versions of superheroes we have. I love the behind-the-scenes nonsense that goes on and some of the drama and all that. And I kind of just like that this movie exists. I like the story behind it. Um, And as far as the actual movie, like I do like those parts in the beginning, the body horror parts, the first act, I do think is solid. But... I don't like that the movie fell apart. So that's kind of where this one sits for me, but it made my top five because I'm glad this movie exists, if nothing else. So 
I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. So I agree with everything you just said. I wanted to. I do want to point out that uh, yes, the first act is like really good, and then the movie like systematically destroys itself somehow. Um, I really liked Kate Mara in the role of Invisible Girl. I liked that a lot. The Thing in this movie looked way better, I'm sorry, than The Thing in the other Fantastic Four movies. Um, yeah, he looked great. <clears throat> he looked great. So there's there's some aspects of the movie that were actually pretty solid that I think get overlooked by the fact that the movie is really bad. Um, but I just <laughs> I did not expect you to pull Fantastic Four out of the list. So. <laughs> like I said, I've seen 11 of these films. Um, and this one I enjoyed watching more than some of the other ones. Um one more thing about the Fantastic Four that I think is funny is the resolution to this movie is the fastest resolution I've ever seen. Where And I can't even remember the exact events of the film, but I remember at the end they're like in an alternate dimension, I want to say, fighting uh, Doctor Doom. And once they defeat him, there's like no... Uh, it's very anticlimactic how they get out of this dimension. They like travel so fast like i feel like it's less than five seconds that it takes for the characters to get out of the dimension back to the real world and it feels so anticlimactic and comical how fast they wrapped the movie up and it's and that's the point where i was like well i guess the special effects budget ran out right at that point you know yeah um and i don't know if that's they, true but it's just kind of a funny narrative i like and, to think about and they really destroyed Doctor Doom in this. Like, I feel like they've never been able to get Doctor Doom right on screen, and I don't know why that is. Um, yeah, yeah, but, it seems like just go by what the comics give you, and like, like everybody, like everybody else does, just go by what the comics give you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Focus, like, focus on your source material. There's, um, there's no reason it should be hard to do a good Doctor Doom for a movie. But they just always want to change stuff for whatever reason. So. It, it's, just, it's studios putting their hands on things is what it is. Um, all right, anything else on Fantastic Four? Uh, that's about it. All right. So my first one that I'm going to talk about tonight is Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, did you see that I one? Not, I have not seen that one. All right. One. This, um, I watched this, and it's in, strictly out of curiosity because um, the the waves of news that it was getting, not just news like on like TV, like Fifty Shades, it was like people were talking about it because of the book, because of the movies. They hate, they love the book, they hate the movies. They, I mean, women were just talking about it, and you're just like, I gotta, I have to check this out. I have to give it a go. The thing is, first off, I really enjoyed this movie. Like it made me curious enough to watch the other two. So I've seen the whole trilogy. Um, but I enjoyed, one of the things that really sold me on the movie, and I have to give her crazy credit, um, and that's Dakota Johnson in the film. Um, her, like, her acting in these movies is actually really good. Uh, her facial expressions, the way she reacts to stuff, like, her, the, the laugh she gave the character, like, it's all, like, it seems all genuine and real, and, like, I just have to give it a little praise, because I thought she, she was, like, the reason I watched the movie, like, after the first movie, I was like, I want to see where this goes, so I had to keep watching. I have not read the books, um, I didn't feel I needed to, but I enjoyed this, actually, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't have much more to say about it, because we all kind of know what that movie is about, but, um, I enjoyed it, and, um, yeah, Dakota Johnson I thought was fantastic in it, so. Right. This is one that, uh, I've never had the opportunity to see. I'm kind of curious about the movie. Um, I know my wife likes the movie, but it's one of those things where, like, she's never wanted to watch it with me, sort of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she's, 
yeah, that makes sense. A lot with like her mom or like her other like girlfriends and stuff, but like I've just never had the opportunity. I'm not against this movie. I don't really know enough about it to be, but um, for some reason, you know, this movie just has that stigma where you hear it brought up and you kind of laugh. But um, yep, yeah, yep, I, mean, I know. That's, I don't really have much to say about it just because I haven't seen it. I know. Um, yeah. All right. So your turn. Okay. Cool. So. I'm going to do another one that is pretty universally hated, <laughs> and that is uh, Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen. All right. We matched on this. Um, okay. We matched on this, and this kind of shocked me a little bit. So go ahead and talk. So. It shocked you that it was on the list. A, yeah. So this is a movie that... This is a movie that has... I feel like it has a lot of glaring flaws, um... It has, like, like at, wor- at the worst parts, like, people say two of the robots are uh, racist in their portrayal of, uh, I guess, uh, certain ethnicities and stuff. But, like, at, the, at its best parts, like, the flaws are, like, they invented, like, a hieroglyphic system that does not exist, but they claimed was on, like, every major monument ever made. And uh, the other really dumb part is... Um, I'm, I don't know Transformers super well, so I don't know all the robots' names, but there's the giant robot in this movie that has a, uh, I mean, for lack of a better term, a giant cock and balls made out of two uh, wrecking balls and stuff like that. And I right. feel like there's so many like gags that people really don't like about this movie, but at its core, this movie couldn't not make my list because I still think it's watchable. I still think it's a fun movie. To, it's a fun watch. I don't think it's... Uh, it's hard for me... Like, if, if I watch a movie and I actually have fun watching it, it's hard for me to say it's the worst movie of the year because I actually did enjoy it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of it. Like, I don't think it's that bad of a movie. I just think it has certain flaws uh, in quotes that, like... I think kind of took it over the edge where people complained about certain parts so much that it became, you know, the worst movie of that year. Right. Um, so my thing is, is that this movie, I agree with you. There's definitely some, um, innuendos in there that are a little heavy handed and there's a little bit more. So, um, and, uh, the, the movie as a whole, like I enjoyed the story, like as an extension of the next film. So, yeah, and, and um, I, I actually prefer this one over um, Transformers 3, to be honest. Um, I agree, too. Um, and uh, the what's interesting is that I enjoyed the relationship between uh, Sam and... Um, what's her name? Michaela? Yeah, Sam and Michaela. Yeah. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the, I, I enjoyed the um, relationship between the two of them better in this one. I enjoyed the, the, I felt like the threat seemed a little bit more real. Um, I enjoyed all the military stuff. Like this movie, like, yeah, there's, this movie definitely has flaws and there's some very Michael Bay stuff about it, but (laughs) I, I really enjoyed this film in a general sense. I was just surprised that it was, I mean, had to have a nomination is one thing, but I was just surprised that it had the, uh, um, actually won the award. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. And, uh, you commented on, like, Sam, Witwicky, and Michaela in this movie. And to me, the third movie, like, one of the most awkward parts that I had so much, such a hard time getting on board with was 
for some reason, Megan Fox is just nowhere to be seen in the third movie, and there's this random model chick that uh, Sam's dating for some reason, it, and it just felt so shoehorned in, and like he's saying stuff in the movie like, she's the one, and I'm just like, why is she the one, and not the girl that you saved the world twice with, you know, why is this random person the one, in quotes, you know, uh, stuff like that I had a hard time getting on board with with the third movie, so. Well, it, I, I feel like the third movie really could have benefited from um, having Megan Fox in the film. So it, yeah. that kind of sucked that that kind of landed the way it did. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, this rolls back to you, man, if you're done talking about Transformers. so Yeah, um, it's harder for me to pick because I know we're going to start matching on them. So, okay, the reason I say that is because I'm getting to movies that I know you know a lot more about than I do. Um, but the first, I guess the next one I'll go with is the movie Cocktail. Yeah, yeah um, we, we, we matched, and I'm, and I'm really worried that my last movie that we're going to talk about is not <laughs> going to be the movie I wanted to end on. <laughs> but, oh, <yeah>. that, <laughs> knowing that, I might change the order that we talk, that I, or the next one that I talk about. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I was like, wow, I'm going to be talking about that last? Okay. Um, so, okay, so the movie Cocktail... I've seen this movie once. Um, it was a very long time ago. I think I was in middle school or grade school. I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fun. I had no idea that it was considered a bad movie. Um, to me, it was just kind of like a... I don't, I don't know if it's even a comedy or a drama or what it is, but I just thought it was a story about Tom Cruise being a bartender, and it was kind of cool. So it's this one kind of goes with Transformers for me, where... I thought this movie was enjoyable. It had a lot of really fun parts. I had no idea it was considered a bad movie. So I don't know what else to say about it. It's just kind of like, really, that's on the list? I actually liked that one. So uh, what are your thoughts on Cocktail? It's Top Gun in a bar. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Basically, basically Tom Cruise made Top Gun, and they went, that was really good. We got to do that again. And they weren't ready to do Top Gun 2. So they went, hey, we have race cars. Let's make Days of Thunder. And they were like, that's really good. Let's do it a third time. And they did Top Gun in a bar. Um, and yeah. so it was like, we're going to make Tom Cruise a bartender. And um, it, it's the, the movie's fun just from the beginning. Like right away, the movie's fun. It does have a down moment in like kind of like the middle of the second act um, that kind of carries you over. But it's life-related down moment, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, and I think I vaguely remember that sort of down moment that you're talking about. But um, yeah, I'm on the same page. Like I thought this was a really fun movie. So, um, and uh, so it's just I really enjoyed the movie. It's it's just a lot of fun to begin with. Um, it starts out kind of serious, but then it gets fun, and you get all the bar stuff, and you get the throwing the glasses around. And I don't know anyone who's seen that movie who hasn't tried to pour drinks like that and break glasses. Um, so um, yeah, or, or like the whole um, addicted to love sequence. Like I always wanted to be in a bar where that happened, and that's never happened anywhere I've gone. So, <laughs> um, but I always thought that part was really fun too. The. Uh, the, the I I really liked Elizabeth Shue in this movie too. Uh, her relationship with Tom Cruise seemed very genuine, um, and their relationship I liked a lot. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Overall, the movie I just really enjoy. So, right on. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, um, I'm pretty. On to my next pick? Well, I'm pretty sure we're gonna match on one more. Um, okay. So yeah, move on to the <laughs> well, one you don't think we're gonna match on. <laughs> well, I I think we might match on it, but I don't think this is the one you were saving for last. Okay. <laughs> so, but this is a movie that I know you own, and that movie is Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> oh yeah, that's one of the five I know uh, own, and uh, we did not match. So. Okay. So this this movie is. Tom Green making a movie. Um, if you, I know like some of our <laughs> listeners are younger, so if you don't know who Tom Green is, he was he was a guy who had a show on MTV where he kind of did. It was kind of a combination of like Jackass and like Borat, if you will, where he did a lot of like real life like crazy situations that were were either making him or other people involved the butt end of the joke and they were very weird bizarre stunts and uh situations and jokes and i don't know how to describe it other than that but he's he's a very very weird guy he's got a very avant-garde sense of humor and this is the movie that tom green would make like this is tom green's making a movie it's going to be freddy got fingered and i think that (laughs) this movie got a bad rap because you have, like, serious critics. You have, um, you know, Siskel and Ebert going in to review Freddy Got Fingered. And I think, like, so many people didn't know how to take this movie. They didn't understand it. They weren't part of the demographic the movie was aimed for. And I think it was just people were like, this is a waste of time. This is, like, horrible. Like, how is this even watchable? But me being, you know, a young man of the MTV generation when it came out, I loved the movie. I thought it was hilarious. Um, there's even parts of the movie I thought were relatable, you know, like, oh, Tom Green wants to be a cartoonist, so do do I, that's awesome, you know, Tom Green skateboards, that's awesome, so do I, and like, there's all these aspects of it that I like, but I just think this movie is, uh, if you don't like it, I think it's just kind of not for you, and I think the movie's been misunderstood by so many different people, and that's why it won this award, um. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. <laughs> I 100% agree with the fact that you said this movie. I don't know if the movie ages well. Um, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it's offensive as hell. <laughs> like, I'm but, sure it's like... <laughs> I yeah. can think of parts in the movie that kind of make me cringe looking back at it, but... Yeah, this movie is, is super offensive, and it does not age, It does definitely does not age well, but it's definitely a misunderstood film, because I just don't think people really understood tom green um did you ever see the movie uh stealing harvard yeah okay tom green is in that and um it's his humor in that is like the same kind of humor and it's hysterical but again i think it's a little misunderstood so (laughs) absolutely but i think the difference between this and stealing harvard is stealing harvard his humor was like toned down and fit within like a character and a story and freddie got fingered i think is tom green doing whatever the hell he wants, and then building a story around that. <laughs> so it's, like, right. way, like, more more over the edge, way more over the top, just way more ridiculous. So. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I have a feeling we're going to match on the... I have a feeling this final one we're going to match on, which is kind of cool, because I wanted to save that one for last. Anyway, um, without knowing your pick, I have a feeling I know what it is. Um, so my second-to-last pick for the night is Striptease. Have you ever seen this? Uh, yes, I've seen it, but it's kind of, yeah, not for, not for a long time sort of thing. I know I don't think I ever took this movie 
seriously as a movie either, but I think, uh, keep going. I think a lot of people didn't. Um, yeah. What's, what struck me as odd is that, so the movie's about a woman who is in a custody battle for her, and a domestic, she's dealing with a domestic case with her ex-husband, and it's a, and she's in a custody battle for her kid, and she gets a job as a stripper to earn money to pay for her lawyer to help her get the kid back. That's the plot of the film. Um, and the thing about it, though, is that, yeah, she's a stripper, but the stuff that happens with the characters that she interacts with are hilarious. This movie is a comedy from the beginning to the end, even though it deals with this very serious subject. So the way they handle the serious subject is actually really well done, and then they throw the comedy on top of it. Ving Rhames is in it. He's the bouncer at the strip club. He's hilarious. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is he's got he's got these tweezers, and he's got this like dead beetle, and he's trying to insert it into this Yoplait yogurt so it looks undisturbed so he can try and sue Yoplait because he found a bug <laughs> because he found a bug in his yogurt. <laughs> nice. Um, and he's just trying to get some extra cash by suing Yoplait. Like, I found a bug, what the hell? And so he'll, like, do it. So, like, you see him insert it and then he, like, turns to the guys, does this look, does this look like I put that in there? <laughs> um, uh, I, I absolutely love that scene. It makes me laugh a lot. And then Burt Reynolds is this, um, I think he's a senator. Yeah, I think he's, I haven't seen the movie in years. But I think he's, he's a senator that uh, sees her do her act and he falls in love with her and he's like trying to get, um, he's trying to be with her, like have her be his girlfriend. She won't yeah. have anything to do with him, but he's one of those super sleazy senators. And uh, there's a whole another mystery roped around the fact that he's a senator and there's like this like government thing going on. So there's like these underlining threads it's not, honestly, it's not the best movie. There's definitely flaws, but overall, this movie is actually really solid, and I was surprised, to have a nomination, I wasn't surprised at, to have the award for worst movie of the year uh, surprised me, so. Yeah, it makes me want to, like, go back and look at what it was up against, but, um, yeah, I, this is another one that I don't know that I ever thought it was a, considered a bad movie. I think it's just, because of the, the, marketing and because of kind of like just the public perception at the time i feel like a lot of people didn't take it seriously and some people might have been even like opposed to the movie existing and stuff um so maybe that factors into it i'm not really sure yeah um i don't know like i said i haven't seen the movie in a while so i'm kind of yeah curious um, how it ages, I, 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 so. I do wonder how it ages so i it when i saw it on the list i was like hmm, maybe i should rewatch that um, but like I said, it's just it, the movie's actually really funny, and there's a couple lines of dialogue that have always stuck with me in my head, and if I can squeeze them into general conversation, I will, just for a personal reference for myself so I can giggle on my own. Most people don't catch it, because most people haven't seen the movie, so... Um, <laughs> nice. Um, so what do you got for um, your final pick of the night? Yeah, uh, I matched on this one um and that is hudson hawk we certainly um, did <laughs> awesome i i thought i knew without a doubt this was gonna make your list drew um this is a movie that um like as a family like you and i and our brothers have watched quite a bit um i think i i enjoy the movie a lot i think i probably don't remember a lot of it as far as like specific plot points but i remember so many moments in the movie that i thought were so fun um and that's kind of like what I was always 
like left with is like this is a fun movie there's so many good moments there's so many quotable lines you know um and i i liked the even though it's probably completely not realistic at all but the whole like leonardo da vinci connection to the whole thing and everything i really enjoyed as well um and this is another one that I didn't know was considered a bad movie, so I was surprised to see on the list. <laughs> so, um, I'm sure once you start talking, I'm gonna have more to say. To be honest. So Hudson uh, Hawk, one. Hudson Hawk being considered a bad movie doesn't surprise me, because it's a, it is famously known for a love it slash hate it movie. There is no middle ground. You either think this is one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, one of my best friends growing up um, says this is his favorite film of all time. Um, okay. or you absolutely hate this movie, you do not understand it, end of discussion. Um, but okay. I've, ne- I've never heard anyone who is middle ground for this film. And, um, but, so if you do not know what Hudson Hawk is, it's basically, um, Bruce Willis is a cat burglar, um, and when I say cat burglar, um, the best way to describe a cat burglar is someone who is very resourceful and can adapt to changes, like, so when he's planning his heist, or his whatever he's going to steal, he can adapt to changes as he goes. And he can use everything to his uh, disposal to uh, get the job done, because that's the ultimate goal, is to get the job done. Um, so, for example, you see them walking into a building. So the very first heist you see them do, uh, they're walking into the building, um, and they have, like, painter's outfits on and stuff, like they're workers. And then... The next scene, they're not wearing the painter's outfits anymore, but they're on skateboards on their knees, like pushing themselves through the hall <laughs> yeah, to avoid to avoid the cameras. And you think to yourself, where'd they get the skateboards? Well, it's irrelevant because they're cat burglars and they're using what they found to their disposal. <laughs> um, okay, right. And then the other thing that they do is there's a, there's a cool scene where they're walking along and the one guy's trying to tell Bruce Willis the plan and he keeps asking him he keeps naming songs and Bruce Willis is throwing numbers out. He'll be like, um, he'll yell, he'll say Xanadu and Bruce Willis will tell him some numbers and he'll like tell him, he'll give him another song like, um, you know, swing it on a star and he'll give him some numbers and he'll be like side by side and he'll give him some numbers. And what Bruce Willis is doing is he's telling him how long the songs are. So these are guys that have memorized the timing of the songs. So when he goes, so when they actually get to the point of we're going to do this, uh, Danny Aiello will say, uh, we're going to need this much time, and Bruce Willis will go, oh, we'll do this song, and what they'll do is, together they will sing the song, even if they have to separate, they'll sing it, so when they get to the end goal, when the song's over, the heist is over. Um, so everything's timed out by music, uh, and just keeping the beat, and it's just a really funny bit, so you have Bruce Willis like trying to avoid guards, and he's singing the song as he goes, um, or vice versa, and then they eventually get up there, and it's like, hey, we got it, let's go. Um, and it's just a clever thing. Um, but then, you know, from the very first heist, uh, Bruce Willis gets roped up in this CIA plot slash, um, Da Vinci mystery thing. There's a lot of pieces moving around the board to tell this story, but the movie is hysterical. There are so many straight lined jokes that happen, um, that I can't speak more highly of. Um, Richard E. Grant's in this, fantastic. Um, James Colburn is in this, he's really good. The CIA spooks are so funny because, like, I mean, it's really funny. Their code names are all candy bars. <laughs> so the one, <laughs> so the one guy's uh, code name is Kit Kat, and you have Butterfinger, and you have Snickers, and Almond Joy. Like those are their yeah. code names. And when he's like, he, he's like, what do you? He, when they question the uh, 
the candy bar code names, the one the one girl's like, hey, last year it was worse. We all had diseases. Try being called chlamydia for a year. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a really funny line, and you just it blows past a lot of people. Um, yeah. But no, it's it is not necessarily a good movie, but it's definitely not the worst. Um, the movie was written by Bruce Willis. I actually I kind of want to say he wrote it. He directed it too, but I'm not 100% sure. It's basically I, I like Bruce Willis came out of um, Die Hard and they said, what do you want to do? And he handed him Hudson Hawk. Um, so it's That's just, cool. it's just a, it, it's just a, I honestly really, really like it. Um, I totally, under, like, I won't put it on my, it's all my all time favorite list, but it's a movie that every now and then I have to throw in and watch because it's just cool. And then like, <laughs> There's some things you just ask yourself about, but you realize that in a world where things don't make sense sometimes, sometimes it's good to have things not make sense because it makes the story funnier. So he was talking about, um, cause they were selling, cause they owned, so Bruce Willis and his partner co-owned this bar that got turned into like a coffee house. Um, and like more of a up and coming ritzier type establishment that serves like cappuccinos and stuff. Um, and he, uh, and Bruce Willis, when he gets there, he's like, you're taking down Captain Bob's steering wheel. And he pulls off a steering wheel from the wall, like a steering wheel from a car. And he goes, do you understand what this means? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, no, everyone couldn't figure out where he got the steering wheel from. Like, that's funny because you don't know. It doesn't have to make sense. And the mystery of where do you get the steering wheel is pretty, I just, I always thought that was a funny gag. Um, the other thing is, if you watch the movie carefully, Bruce Willis tries to get a cup of coffee at the beginning of the film. Um, multiple, multiple times he tries to get coffee. He does not have a cup of coffee until the credits roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's something that, like, you just don't think about. Like, he, he all he wants is his cup of coffee, and he doesn't get it until the credits roll. So, um... Yeah, I love that stuff. And, uh, like, the Captain Bob steering wheel, like, that's... I like those little, like... Even though that's a tiny moment, it just kind of, like, builds this, like, mini lore around that steering wheel. But I always think it's fun, like, little tidbits like that after the movie ends that right. you're kind of left wondering about. And then, um, and they have the de- they have the best death scene explanation for when the guy doesn't die at the end of the movie, when you think the character's dead. And I, I this is totally a spoiler, but it's too funny to not spoil this, because I don't expect our listeners to go find Hudson Hawk, but who knows. <laughs> Um, but he, Danny Aiello's character dies, his, the he gets trapped in a limousine that gets rolled off a cliff and explodes. And when he shows up at the end and Bruce Willis is like, hold on, but the car went off the cliff and he's like, airbags, can you effing believe it? <laughs> and then, and then, uh, um, the girl goes, but the car exploded. And he's like, sprinkler systems in the back. Can you effing believe it? <laughs> Um, that's just, it's too funny because you're just like, you buy it. You're just like, yeah, all right. Everything else that's crazy that happened in this movie makes sense. Why not? Yeah. It's a movie pick playing by its own rules. So you buy it. Yeah. Um, hearing you say all this stuff, though, why is it that so many people don't like the movie? Um, I, I, th- they just don't like it. They're just like, that's not a good, yeah. Hmm. It's like they, they, they took. They tried to take the movie too seriously, or something. Maybe, or maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe they got oh, okay. out of Die Hard and were like, "Ooh, Bruce Willis," and it's not. Um, 
Yeah, that happens. That definitely happens a lot where it's just like, I, I know I've heard people say that about Life Aquatic where they thought it was going to be like this laugh out loud, Bill Murray comedy, but you know, they were given that sort of really dry Wes Anderson humor and it just wasn't what they expected. So I definitely, I know people do that a lot with certain actors and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's kind of the end of the list. Um, (laughs) Yeah, everyone should go watch Hudson Hawk because we think it's fantastic. Um, So, yeah. Um, Peter, it's your pick for next week, man. Uh, We're getting, we're dangerously close to episode 100. So what do you got for me? It's going to be, it's going to be your pick, my pick, and then episode 100 is going to replace your pick. So you're going to have a couple weeks of not having to worry about uh, choosing a list. Oh, nice. Um, okay, well, this next week's list is going to get political. Are you ready to get political? Uh, it depends on the <laughs> subject. I, I'm just kidding. It's, it's honestly not really political. Um, do you remember um, that famous Parks and Rec scene with uh, Patton Oswalt uh, filibustering? <laughs> yeah. And he, t- he goes on this crazy, um, fictitious, like, movie plot. That about how Star about Wars. how Star Wars and Marvel are going to cross universes. <laughs> yep, exactly. And then X-Men are going to come in, and it's hilarious. And every nerd who sees that scene just loves it. Um, I uh, recently on uh, social media, one of my friends posted that uh, scene, just kind of, I guess they were watching it at the time and thought it was funny. And uh, it made me think a fun list to do would be our top five filibuster topics. So imagine if you're part of a town hall or Congress or whatever you want it to be, and you have to filibuster to stop a decision to get made or stop a bill to be passed. What are the five topics you think you could talk about for at least an hour, but like maybe longer? Like what topics do you think you could bring to the table to talk about uh, to filibuster? And Knowing you and I, I know this list is going to get really nerdy, like we might get into some of our nerdy passions, and I think that's kind of a good way to uh, kind of format your list, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, and I thought this one would be kind of fun. Um, the, uh, no, that's actually like an awesome, awesome topic to do. I'm yeah. surprised we didn't think about that before, um, because I remember, <laughs> I remember watching that, um... I remember watching that episode of Parks and Rec thinking to myself, I know exactly what I would do if I had to filibuster to kill time. Oh, really? That's <laughs> yeah. I remember exactly what I would do, but I have to come up with five topics now, so we'll see. I know one for sure. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of me. Like, I know one or two for sure, and some of them I'm going to have to get creative. But I think seeing that Patton Oswald scene, which... If anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, just YouTube Patton Oswalt Parks and Rec. It's an amazing, like, and just thank us later because it's amazing. But seeing that scene, we know we can go as ridiculous as we want with this. Or we could pick, you know, just serious stuff that we're passionate about that we think we could have a lot to say about at the moment. So Yeah. Um, no, that's, it's basically, this is basically the list where... Um, what are you, what are we most passionate about that we know we can talk for hours on end to kill a filibuster time slot? Um, yeah. and, and it's, it's one of those things where knowing both of us, I feel like all of our picks are probably going to fit within the scope of the show anyways, cause it's probably going to be a lot of nerdy pop culture <laughs> references yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that sounds fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that now that I'm like, I have like things floating through my head now. So. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. The wheels are turning. Yeah, the wheels are turning. All right. Well, uh, man, we're getting close to that 100 episode mark. Um, so do us a favor. Um, check us out on our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Uh, you can interact with the show by sending us an email or hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, um, those places you can subscribe to us. And if you do, you won't miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, um, which we love the five stars, but we understand criticism and we know it helps us get better. And it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be spreading the word that you may grow up to be a fish. <laughs> yeah, you will. Um, <laughs> you may. Um, yes. Everyone go watch Hudson Hawk. Uh, all right, for the uh, Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.